0: This week's episode is brought to you by National Geographic's Emmy-nominated series, The Story of God with Morgan Freeman. The series follows Morgan on a global journey to explore the ways humanity has sought and received answers to some of the world's biggest questions about religion and faith. Logging more than 70,000 miles, the equivalent of a trip around the world twice, and visiting more than 30 cities, The Story of God is an expansive series exploring the most intimate of topics for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Visit www.natgeotv.com slash FYC for more information.
1: Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk.
0: Today, we're going to be wrapping up our discussion of the upcoming Emmy race. And And you, of course, have all been following week by week. Week by week. And you're going to hear my interview with Steve Levitan from A Modern Family, a winner five years in a row uh, in its prime for Best Comedy Series, which is going to wrap up its run next season. Uh, And then you're going to hear Dominic's interview with the creative team behind Catch-22 from our annual Emmy Contenders event.
1: So... We have been yakking and blabbing and predicting and betting and and nudging each other about various Emmy categories. And the the pressure's
0: on right now because as we speak, voters like me... Eh. Are procrastinating. I'm a non. <laughs>
1: I'm, a, I'm a TV Academy non. Uh, well, I'm way, a TV Academy voter. I gotta renew my membership. Uh, yes, you do. You, man, you, I, do. Yeah, you know, I can, can give you, you
0: the uh, address and the email and everything. But here's the thing: <laughs> do you know um, the nominations you know <laughs> opened on June 10th, and they will continue until uh, Monday night, uh, June 24th. Then we're gonna get these nominations finally and see just how right Dominic and I have been uh, these last ten podcasts.
1: Because we should, we should one day have some. One year we should do, we should actually get it tallied up. <clears <Yeah>. <clears <throat> How often we are, right? Because I have no yeah. idea, but I have a yeah. feeling we're... we're... We're
0: right on the money. Yeah. Uh, July that would be 16th. monopoly money. July 16th. That's uh, yeah. when the nominations come out. And of course, the uh, primetime Emmy show uh, is uh, September
1: 22nd. So all so these things. So in that vein, there yeah. are... There are you can go back and listen to our past podcasts. You, of course, yeah. you're iTunes subscribers to our podcast, so you can listen to a lot of them. iTunes is over, man. You got to get No, nah, iTunes lives; it just lives in a different form. Oh, okay. Nothing ever dies like at Apple. Different apps. Dif- different at uh, three different apps. Yeah. It turns out. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll next year, of course, be doing our our, our app talk podcast. But <laughs> today we're going to talk about about these categories, and there's 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 a lot to talk about. We could just end with 20 minutes of Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Though I do have reservations about that, even though I do love the show. We we heard this last week. We heard this last week. Hey, repetition is the (laughs) art of television, my friend. It is. Repetition. Mm -hmm. Peak TV is all about what you saw before but didn't realize it. But there are two things I think that that are particularly interesting, which is the number one is, I think documentaries are really something to see this year. and. The shows that you actually wanted to get nominated, but either didn't, won't, or not ha- don't have a hope in hell. Yeah. So
0: that's it. Well, let's talk about documentaries because uh, all these people—it's the most asked question to me uh, yeah. by people when they discover this, and and by professionals out in the business too. I, I had a couple of emails, and they're going like, "What documentaries like Free Solo, which won the Oscar for best Doc- documentary feature?" Uh, is eligible for an Emmy in a similar category too. And it's true because the rules- Well, Citizen
1: Four- both. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. some have won, some have been nominated. Last year, Icarus, a Netflix movie, won yeah, the yeah. Oscar, also yeah. was uh, aiming to uh, get an Emmy. This goes on and on. This year, Minding the Gap, which was nominated yeah. for an Oscar, is also aiming for Emmy nominations. Um, and it's interesting because I don't know if the Television Academy members who vote on documentaries take that into account and say, you know, that's not fair. That,
1: it's already won an I Oscar. Will, I, I will speak. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I am. I am a non-voter because of my journalistic status, um, and I think it's a conflict of interest. But that doesn't mean anything. Um, yes, they do take it into account. They do, yeah. and and I know among my fellow, my past fellow voting members of that category, um, it's a real conflict. It's a real yeah. conflict because you do feel like, hey, buddy, you got the prize. Like, give room for someone else. Right. But you don't want to ignore excellence. Conversely, I do want to uh,
0: say that. The rules state you can do this. Each uh, organization, Television Academy, Motion Picture Academy, have very specific rules. And as long as you meet them, it's cool. So why not? The more, the merrier for these shows. They're good here. You know, a lot of them start. Remember how HBO used to game the system all the time with documentaries? I mean, do you mean, used to?
1: Well, yeah. I have this theory, by the way, there's a whole other podcast, but I have this theory about the machine known as HBO and Emmys.
0: Yes. Well, they all often put these basically television shows in for Oscar consideration and got several nominations that way and still do, obviously. Everybody does. I think as long as the rules aren't touched in these organizations, it's totally fine. I'm not going to penalize. Any of
1: these companies for trying to do it. No. Free
0: Solo is just a brilliant But I think movie. but I
1: think Free Solo is really up against some strengths here. I'll give you I'll give you four that I think right. you really have to consider. First one, the Michael Jackson alleged sexual abuse documentary that leaving will never Neverland.
0: happen. It's too uh, people
1: wanna wipe their hands off. Oh them. no. Really? I that, think so. I mean, the people at HBO who got great numbers for it. Yeah, but that, that doesn't the, mean voters are going to go. No, for but it. but I think that this is. The, I think leaving Neverland. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. It is. You you think I saw it, it at Sundance where there were protesters right. and there was like armed police keeping people out and you know screening machines and all sorts of things. Um you think you know this story because right. you, we've that's, heard this story. That's why right? I haven't seen well, it. But know. here's the thing, you know, and I've covered this like stuff, right. like the trials and things like that, and where he was found, he was acquitted. Um, though I have to say, when you pay someone twenty-five million dollars, it probably isn't because they took their Lego with them. Right. Um, and and you think you know this, and then you see this film, and it is scarring. And what's interesting about it, in many ways, is it's scarring not because of the two the two gentlemen who are at the, at the in the spotlight with the thriller singer, but their families and their families horror or what they what they seem to have allowed to happen. Right. And so I think leaving Neverland and then there's the lawsuits with the estate and, and, and all that stuff, I think ne- leaving Neverland is kind of it, it, it's got so much heat on it, people are going to people look at it and add to all that, which is subjective, the numbers were fantastic. Yeah. So I think that's that part. Same thing I would also say is you've got another one where conflict is actually is actually the draw here, which is the dueling Fry festivals, uh, one fire. on Hulu, Fry fire, one on Hulu and one on Netflix, which bait which dropped at the same time. Essentially, they got right. into a race where Hulu kind of jumped in front of Netflix to just get. Well, that one little of bit. them had some questionable. Uh, ah, they both had questionable. They were both <laughs> sli- they were both in bed either with people who were involved in this right, or that yeah. they, were, they were there was money exchanging hands and what have you yeah. to get access. Look, look, and let's be honest, like you without. Sin casa for Stone, lots of people do this, but right. it really was, it, 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 it marred some people because this was obviously, these documentaries were looking at scams and looking at cons, and so it made people feel a little uneasy that they were involved, either the company behind it or the people behind it were involved in it like that. Yeah. I think both of those though, both those documentaries, if for nothing more than a certain a certain scene involving Ja Rule about yeah. <laughs> what actually in, it, it means telling a lie and not and what's just marketing. Um, well, it I was think it's going to be uh, they're going to cancel each other out. Neither, oh, really? Neither will get nominated. And my last one, and I actually rewatched this recently, was yeah. on, on Netflix. Is Knock Down the House? Yes. Which is which is a, a once in a lifetime caught lightning in a bottle. Um, examination as four women run for Congress in yeah. the 2016, uh, 2018 midterms. And one of them has become one of the most powerful political forces in America, which, of course, is AOC. And right. so, so this is a marvel. I mean, you're there when she finds out she wins. It's yeah. incredible. So it's the incredible. cameras there, just like it was with running with Beto. Uh, yeah, but running, running with Beto ran straight into a dead wall. No, because because Beto O'Rourke, if that if that film had come out and the earlier and the Emmys were earlier, damn yeah. straight. Right. But he's run out of steam. Yeah. So. And and whereas AOC is just is just going scaling one height after another. And more importantly too is as you see you see her fellow candidates who were not as successful as she, but you see their stories in the process of outsiders getting getting taking down the establishment and 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 groups and look interest groups or interest groups of all types they come in many sizes and shades, who are determined to find a way to break establishment politics. It's a great film.
0: Well, I want to do a, a plug here for things that normally don't get nominated when the Oscars come around, which are show business docs. Not always. Sometimes they go that way, but rarely. Uh, I really like Jane Fonda in Five You don't acts.
1: consider Leaving Neverland a show
0: business? Uh, yeah. Uh, I really liked Jane Fonda in five acts. I thought it was a very honest and straightforward documentary. Fascinating look at different facets of her life and career. Really, really good. And then I also loved uh, Morgan Neville's They'll Love Me When I'm Dead, which was his companion piece uh, that Netflix got his um, Orson Welles movie, The Other Side of the Wind, finally finished after 40 years. They finally put up the funds. They were able to finish that film. Uh, Neville made a great documentary uh, about that film and the uh, controversies within and, and the struggles that it had to finally get to the screen. That's, uh, if you haven't seen it, it is so entertaining. Do you, think so- Mor-
1: do you think Morgan will get will get this because people will be like, you know, that Mr. Rogers film should have won the he Oscar. He
0: was totally
1: screwed. robbed. Robbed. Yes,
0: absolutely. Did not get a nomination for what I thought was the best uh, theatrical doc of the year. Uh, was Won't so you Be My successful.
1: Neighbor. Was across yeah. a, a
0: huge audience. Yeah. Documentaries, by the way, and the reason why we're seeing um, so many of them, uh, you know, now walking the line between television and movies is, they are where the specialty movie business is right now.
1: You know, that's amazing, because when I was a documentary filmmaker, <laughs> I, I'll put it in a simpler way. What yeah. is the difference? This is, this is a joke you could tell in around 2003. Yeah. What is the difference between a documentary filmmaker and a medium-sized pizza? Uh, I don't know, really. A medium-sized pizza can feed a family of three. <laughs> that's very good. Now you
0: should be up for comedy special because well, that's why I got into got this racket. Gems like that. I got into this racket because of that. <laughs> okay, let's get off this subject and talk no, about No, I don't want to get off. The subject. I, right. I, I don't
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about showbiz docs. Yeah. You know, there's also the Robin Williams one. Yeah. Which, I haven't seen that which, but... which, which look, you know, I, I think uh you should. Yeah. I'll tell you. Okay. A, you should see it. And B, um you know the 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 highs and lows of the Good Morning Vietnam um, actor's career, more committee, I mean, you just name anything you want. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Um, this is a, it's quite moving it's quite moving I mean because obviously well obviously, because it's Robin
0: Williams it yeah. has a really good shot getting into and also don't forget the inventor out for Blood and Silicon Valley that was a very talked about documentary that is the kind of thing I can see the Emmy uh, uh, groups uh, voting oh, so, for there.
1: so HBO yes but so that's, that's uh, you know what HBO, we are talking HBO. about a lot
0: of television documentary people here and yeah. they're the ones voting alright so, All right. we so shall see.
1: shifting gears from the often very serious world of documentary filmmaking and yes. there is many many things we can talk about uh, uh as this wrap-up comes yeah. and, and and if you want to email us and and tell us that we're you know, don't even know where up is down or that we're in the upside down i'm perfectly willing to listen to that but i do want to talk about the shows that just aren't gonna make it oh my gosh well geez.
0: You know, they have so many categories. What, 107? Yeah. I don't even know how many. There are very few shows that won't get nominated.
1: And yet, <laughs> and yet, they don't. Well, you, you know?
0: know, I mean, what's your favorite show out there that you don't know well not get a single nomination?
1: And can we make the caveat of there are certain craft nominees, yes. d- nations they, they won't get? Um, I would say... I would say... Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar. Okay. Which has been on for mul- for a number of seasons now right. on OWN. Look, Ava is well versed in the in the in the world of Emmys and right. when they see us is certainly That's gonna a contender yeah. if not a winner. Uh, in multiple categories actually. The, the Netflix the Netflix limited series about the travesty of justice involving the five young men who were terribly named the Central Park Five. Yes. Um, but uh, Queen Sugar is a damn fine show That's and cool. and it does not get any of the attention it deserves. It gets a lot of attention because Ava made a promise a long time ago that she was only gonna work with female directors on this show and she kept her promise and she went out and looked in places where people were not bothered to look for different voices, different faces, different talents, some more accomplished than others and found them, some brought some to the feature world, commercial world from her own writing staff, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a great, great show, and its last season, which would be the one eligible right now, it's actually an, an, a new season, um, was fantastic because it really took a lot of the threads of this Louisiana family and the sibling rivalry and sibling love, and 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 brought it to a, a very poignant place about our about our country, which of course is a topic that many people are talking about because we live yeah. in, in in two tacos short of a combo times right now, and the rise of the right scares the fuck out of most of us, yeah. but. I feel that Queen Sugar, I don't know, because it's on OWN, I don't know what it is. It gets, it gets overlooked year on, year out. Yeah. Well, for me... And that's a serious one, actually. I mean, yeah. there's, we can make a lot of jokes, but there, that's actually a really serious one for me. Yeah, there are a lot of shows that, you know,
0: first of all, bra- I would just be a, a big umbrella here and just say broadcast networks outside of the comedy series category yeah. really don't come with much uh that emmy voters will embrace ever even though every now and then you see a really good show on broadcast network but it's not taken seriously
1: now we both agree that the that that uh you know the closest you could get to that i i guess in a way is the good fight because of its good way right yeah uh, it but but like what do you what do you think like what do you think is one that you would be like yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, comedy's different cuz comedy comedy I, you know, different
0: other stuff. than, you know, Hawaii Five O. I you know, it's hard for me to take network TV yeah. seriously myself yeah. because all they do, they, they've adopted what movies do, what the major studios do. It's sequels, it's r- spin-offs, it's all of this. So you see the same show over and over and over again, and it's bread and butter shows. But it's not, is it award-worthy? No, no, not necessarily. But, uh, you know, there have been shows that I like. I, I'll tell you the one I like, and you are going to yell at me. Right. But I think... Because it's been doing, it's done so skillfully, and they had to pick it up from years ago. I think Will and Grace will not get nominated, but I think their achievement in bringing that back to the level where it was when it went off all
1: those years ago is really something. Now you I, I will let you have a pass on that because it is a comedy. Yeah. Um, but no, I think you're right. I do think you're right, and I think that there is, I think there's a, you know, there's a prestige value. That I think a number of years ago, HBO determined what the bar was, right? And everybody went to it, so yeah. to speak, the event horizon. I think then Netflix and Amazon and a few others kind of jumped on board too, and 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 allowed that to be the standard that HBO created. I think that's really unfortunate. I'll tell you another one. I really and this is serious, okay? I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I know we we'll right. joke, we we can joke yeah. later, but this serious one is stars power. Okay, I think that that is a tr- a tremendous show, and it's a damn well watched show. Right. I mean, stars get get they had it was the most watched show on the premium cabler, and then they created this app, which they basically they released it a little earlier, and it yeah. gets on, um, and the numbers just blew up. And it is you know created by Courtney Kemp, and and starring though his character, got. Killed off last year, um, and 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 directed, uh, I think, is an episode coming up for the upcoming sixth season uh, by Fifty Cent. It's a very very powerful show. Yeah, it's about it's about New York, New York underworld and drug dealers and crime and whatever. But like you know, like that isn't the basis for a million different things. Yeah. Um, but it's a family drama as well, and it's a drama that looks at all the shades of America, and I think fundamentally looks at this question of passing. Which yeah. is many ways talked about in the African-American, in, in, in African-American community and other communities of color determined on the, the lightness or darkness of your skin. But also in many ways it's talked about in America in terms of class right. and people who try to pretend like they came from somewhere where they didn't come from and stuff like that. That's one I think seriously. Seri- okay. Seriously. Yeah.
0: it's overlooked will not get nominated but no. uh but there's lots that won't you know i mean amc tried for years you you saw the billboards they've stopped now they've given up With the walking on dead the walking dead yeah because academy voters in the television just like in the movies have a real kind of snob appeal when it comes to genre but stuff. here's the
1: thing is i actually thought a couple of years back when 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 game of thrones won mm-hmm. i actually thought okay now that wall is down it's yeah. a berlin wall it's, it's 1989 yeah. it's come yeah. down and it really
2: didn't. And the, no. the
1: thing is, Walking Dead is no longer the blockbuster it used no. to be. And I, look, I'll admit right now, big fan. Um, and like, trust me, I, I hung through a couple of seasons where you had to be a big fan to hang <laughs> on. Um, that was like vinegar. Um, yeah. But, uh, it's, they've been doing some of their best stuff especially since Angela Kang took over as showrunner a real reset a time jump et cetera et cetera and it's just a shame how people like Norman Reedus, Melissa McBride they just totally don't get yeah look they just don't get the attention I think they they do get some like makeup yeah. stuff and boy they reasons. really
0: yeah they get the below the line stuff that you you would get but they g- they've given up they have yeah. they they realize, there is no way that that a show about zombies is going to be taken seriously by the Television Academy or and by yet, the movie. And yet Academy. Dragons
1: and Dragons and Brothels.
0: Yeah, that's different. This week's episode is brought to you by National Geographic's epic natural history series Hostile Planet hosted by Bear Grylls. Executive produced by Academy Award-winning cinematographer and director Guillermo Navarro, the series zooms in on the world's most extreme environments to reveal the animal kingdom's most epic stories of survival on this fast and continuously changing planet. Hailed as spectacular and intimate by the Sierra Club and stunning by Esquire. Hostile Planet follows wildlife as they face an overwhelming host of challenges, and yet still, life finds a way. For your Emmy consideration in all categories, Visit www.natgeotv.com FYC for more information. Okay, so anyway, speaking of all of this that might get overlooked, here's a show that wasn't overlooked. It won uh, five consecutive Emmys for Best Comedy Series. I don't think it'll be nominated again this time around uh, in its uh, penultimate season. Uh, however, I had a great time uh, talking for my uh, series Behind the Lens with Steve Leviton, its co-creator, and uh, and he's been with it all ten seasons so far, and uh, he is ready to talk about it with me. So listen to this conversation. You're going into an eleventh season now, which uh, I was surprised by because I had even heard you say uh, that you couldn't see it going beyond ten.
2: Yeah, I wasn't I, I wasn't lying then. No. I I I, <laughs> I really thought that was the case. Uh, and, but I think what happened as we kind of got into the beginning of the season is uh, people just weren't ready to end it, yeah. uh, you know, internally. Uh, and we certainly have heard from enough fans uh, that, that they don't want the show to end, the network didn't want the show to end, the studio didn't, the actors didn't, the crew didn't. Yeah. And so uh, we decided to give it one more, one more year and, and really make it feel like a, a final season.
0: You know, what is it about this show that has hit a nerve around, it's in 200 countries, maybe more. Yeah. And uh, when, when I say it's universally accepted, it's universally accepted. You're doing something there that plays around the world that people recognize. You know, right from the beginning, this seemed to hit the mark.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we were obviously surprised. Like, I, one of the markets we're in is Vatican City. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mitch and Cam play there. Yeah. Um, I I, I was surprised at first, but you know, when you think about it, you know, families are families. Um, And you know, we, and I always say, I've I've come to to sort of realize because, you know, we said it, the show is set in in essentially Los Angeles and, and some people, you know, have said maybe that, you know, Jay's too affluent for people to relate to and all that. But you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got the same problems. They might be in a slightly bigger house or drive a better car or they may live in an apartment versus living in a, in a house, or they, whatever the differences are, but it, you know, across the world, they're dealing with the same thing. They want their kids to be safe. They want their kids to do well. They're fighting technology. Yeah. They're fighting all the same things. So you know, we just try to tap into what's playing, and, and it, you know, I think it, it sort of goes to show that you know, the world is getting smaller. We're we're all having these universal experiences. It's not just something that's uniquely American.
0: You know, it's amazing to me, and this is network television, broadcast television, the way we traditionally watched television for decade after decade. But since this has gone on in 2009, this industry, TV, has oh, changed my God. drastically. <laughs>
2: drastically.
0: Um, I mean, on a yearly basis, it seems. Yeah. And here you are, you know, I mean, you had this gay couple on television, which was... Pretty revolutionary for a show like this on network television in that way, uh, and now it's like almost quaint in some ways compared yeah, to what we're seeing. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's
2: it's practically becoming you know a cliche to have that gay character. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, in the beginning we you know we just when we when Chris Lloyd and I you know came up with the idea of trying to redefine the family show and try to make it hipper and and uh, make it something that everybody can enjoy uh you know we came up with this concept of what's a modern family how are families different and and you know how could you tell that story without having you know a gay couple raising uh, a child so um you know for for us also like up to that point and i'm you know a giant fan of the breakthroughs that you know will and grace made that was you know really brave back when they did that it was incredible um but that was you know i always say that mitch and cam were never you know were neither fit nor fabulous <laughs> they were they were just um regular people yeah um you know like like many of the gay couples that you know we had known our our casting director jeff greenberg uh you know who's gay has been in a relationship for 30 plus years yeah. and um they look more like mitch and cam than they do you know you know uh uh, the, you know the hipper gay characters that you tend to see uh, on TV. So um, So that was that just something that felt really honest for us yeah. and that something we had to do. I mean, remember in the beginning I said um, When we came up with this notion and we said yeah, we got to do it. Um, I Remember thinking well there goes middle America. <laughs> I'm really I, yeah, I think I even said did. those words out <laughs> loud and you know, but it's a it's a real testament to First of all, to Eric Stonestreet and Jesse Tyler Ferguson, yeah. you know, what amazing work they've done to make those characters funny and relatable and and all that, and likable. Um, but also to the universal experience of raising a child. I mean, you know, their their first priority was doing, you know, when we met them, was trying to do the best job they could as parents. And I think that people, you know, related to that. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny, when I remember in our first season, we, um, we, there was a little bit of a break, and, and one of our crew members, in the be- sort of early in the season, we started airing, and one of our crew members went to um, uh, work on another show for a couple of weeks during right. a break. And uh, he was wearing a Modern Family something. Yeah. And uh, this kind of big teamster, scary-looking teamster, came up to him and saw him. He says, you work on that Modern Family? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. He has got a little scared. He's like, yeah, I do. And he goes, I like that Mitch and Cam. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, that's, that's good. We're hitting, we're hitting uh, all sorts of people here. You're doing something right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Coming out of Modern Family, I actually had a conversation that in some ways you would consider a throwback, which is with the creators and stars of the, the latest revival of Catch-22, the classic, classic novel. Now, George Clooney did not join us, but every, almost everybody else did. And it was certainly star-studded in many, many different ways. So take a listen to this from our Contenders Emmys event earlier this year often when people talk about the second world war there's there's the terms like greatest generation all of which is incredibly well deserved but the second world war was like the, the last glorious american war and catch 22 has always kind of pulled back the curtain on that and said nah, not so much right not so much and in that scene we just saw there's a real discussion of like well that's insane and and hence you know the, the, clearly the title has become a, a phrase for, for the lexicon of, of our culture did you Feel, do you feel that when people watch this series on Hulu, they're going to get a sense and it will reveal something new to them of a time they
3: thought they had understood? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, when, when when we came aboard this, when George and I came aboard this, we, we sort of talked about the idea that it's re- there's never really a bad time to talk about the absurdity of war mm-hmm. uh, and how that relates to what's happening.
1: I should say George. We're talking about George Clooney, by the way. Yeah, if we George. say that, yes, nice name like it, hey, my friend George. Sorry, sorry whatever. Sorry. Well, he, he, he is a <laughs> guy, you know, my friend.
3: Um, so that was sort of that was our that was our way in, um, and that, and Ellen just touched on this—the idea that you know, even what's happening today, the idea that. Uh, there are, so, there are some absurd things that are happening uh, as we sit here literally at this very moment. Like if you, if you missed it on Twitter, like something happened 20 minutes ago that you- You mean know. how the Homeland Security yes, exactly. Secretary just realized she's unemployed? That's right, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. But who's awaiting in the wings is, uh, is much better. Yeah. Hey, uh, exactly.
1: <laughs> like the other half of the cabinet who actually haven't been confirmed exactly. and are acting everything yes yes yeah. yes 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 but that part of it i mean i know that you know george has done this with other things that he has either done remakes or reboots or whatever the term is of the of the week for these sort of things failsafe being one of them and many others guys as bringing on this is this is you know, we live in an America that's fighting at least two wars right now as it is. Do you, did you feel a sense to touch on that as you wanted to tell this story for a 2019 audience? Or did you pretty much feel you wanted to stay pretty close to the canon?
2: Uh, this began um, with Luke and I talking about uh, books that perhaps would be challenging to do as movies, but would lend themselves to limited series format. And Luke um, pointed out that Catch-22 is, of course, about war, but it's also about the absurdity of bureaucracy, the absurdity of power. And in some ways, is a kind of you know, origin story of the current geopolitical state of things.
3: And so we made an agreement with Paramount to do it, and Luke disappeared
2: for a few months and came back with these fantastic scripts that really got to the heart of, I think, what Heller was, um, was writing about, but also, in some way, I think, um, showed how it's more or less appropriate to any time. It's a, it's a timeless story.
1: Luke, in, in, in adaptation is always a process, clearly. What, how did you decide to how to take the essence of the book, the, what, what appealed to you from the book, and bring it to the screen, and what were some of the decisions you had to make about stuff to leave out?
3: Well, <clears throat> the mission statement for me was to retain the chaotic energy of the novel, but to make a more coherent canvas on which the characters could actually have actual emotional, Uh, journeys through six episodes. Uh, And the central uh, journey is Yossarian's Journey, played by Chris Abbott, Uh, a a journey of loss and bewilderment, really. Um, it, It was hard. There are about 40 characters in the novel. I whittled it down to around 15 for this, approximately, and sometimes took two characters and blended them into one, because as a single character they didn't do enough, but making them into two characters would help give them substance over six episodes. It was really hard uh, uh, making decisions about what to leave out of the novel. It's a glorious novel. If knows. you if you read the, if you reread the novel, and I, I, I it's a beautiful beautiful mess. Mm-hmm. This novel, and the fact And that you it, mean that in the best I, in the best way. sense. Yeah. Is I, I grew this is you know this to me this is the Bible yeah. growing up, and so what he did with this novel, in the way that he was to find the through story, you know, Usarian's arc through this whole thing, and to really sort of I mean, there are so many great characters that he had to get rid of that he yeah. had to throw
1: away. With that, thanks for listening to this entire season of Deadlines Podcast TV Talk. We always enjoy talking about the Emmys. Of course, Pete and I agree on nothing and we're uh, wrong the, about everything. Uh, yes. But we love it that you guys listen in on us and we much appreciate your feedback throughout the, the weeks that we've been on. So now and going forward in future seasons, please make sure you subscribe to us on what may still be called and may one day soon not be called iTunes so you never miss an episode.
0: And, of course, you can find all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com.
1: So thanks for joining us this year. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.